Gadich coming forward now. He had two last week. He winds up the left-footed shot. It sneaks into the bottom corner. Headed on in the direction of Kovacic, who scores. Back out to Morris, who sends it in low with deflection. Another save by Neumann. Shot by Matt DeRosa. It's in. Matt DeRosa puts the Terps up 1-0. Elmi has the room. He shoots it in. Maryland has a 1-0 lead on the goal from the senior, Sebastian Elmi. From the far side, comes right back in towards the middle. A header and a goal. And that is the set piece that breaks the deadlock. Padilla with some space outside the left foot. What a strike! Brian Padilla with the outside of the left foot draws this one even. A great dummy by Johnson leaves it for Benderosa. In towards the middle, a header by Cornelli. And Maryland has the lead back. The senior captain on senior day. And that'll do it. Maryland's California dreams have become a reality. For the first time in a decade, the Terps are national champions. Ladies and gentlemen, get on your feet and welcome your Ludwig Lowdown, featuring Brendan Hartlove and Ben Curtis. After 64 long weeks, it is officially match week. Welcome into episode 18 of the Ludwig Lowdown, our Maryland men's soccer podcast here on WMUC Sports Radio. As always, I'm Brendan Hartlove, and today I'm joined by Ben Curtis, our first non-Brendan host of the podcast in this crazy 2020-2021 season. Ben, welcome, my friend. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, very excited for this for this week, for this season. It's been a really long time coming, uh, but it's match week, and uh, there's nothing better than that. Absolutely. And if you don't know Ben, Ben's one of the guys over at WMUC does a lot for us and will be on the call quite a bit with me this season for the Terp soccer game. So Ben knows his stuff and that's exactly why he's on the podcast today because we have a lot to talk about. We're going to take a look back at some of the things that have gone over the last couple months. We're going to talk about the schedule and how this season is going to play out. And of course, we'll get to our team breakdown, preview the guys that left guys that came in what we expect to happen and then we will talk about the Penn State game that will be coming up Friday night at 6 p.m and just a little bit what's going to go on there but again it's the first game in however many months 14 months three weeks who's counting uh but you know we're going to get into that a little bit as we go along now if you've listened to the podcast before you kind of know our structure we talk for a little bit we have an interview with somebody then we talk for a little bit then we get out of here as we all know, 2021 has been a bit of a weird year, so it's a bit of a different format. What we're going to have is quotes from Sasho kind of broken up and stuck into different places when we want to get his thoughts on different things. So we weren't able to have the big, long interview, but some of this is pulled from some media talks we had you know, about two weeks ago now. So that's how things are going to look. And so you'll hear from the boss. You'll hear from Ben. I might jump in here and there, but we'll get right into it. So. When we look back over the past couple months, you have the MLS draft. That was a big talking point because with this spring season coming up, the MLS season and the college soccer season are going to overlap a little bit. So you had four seniors that were eligible from Maryland for this MLS draft. Matt DeRosa, Ben DeRosa, Eric Matzlevich, and Paul Ben. Now, if you've been following along, you know, Eric and Paul are still going to be staying with the program, but Matt and Ben were both drafted. Matt first, Ben a little bit later on. Matt will be joining up with Toronto FC and Ben with New York City FC. They're the first pair of twins to ever be drafted in Major League Soccer. So let's get Sasha's thoughts on the two twins going in the MLS. Obviously, very, very happy and proud of Ben and Matt DeRosa for being drafted last week. And also being, uh, you know, showcased on the MLS draft themselves and their family uh, really did a great job. Uh, it is the first set of twins ever drafted in, in the MLS Super Draft. That's pretty cool. Obviously, it's a huge loss to our team because you have two young men who are the bookends of our back line, sort of uh, the, one of the backbones of our team. Um, they're just incredible kids. You know, they do everything right in the classroom, off the field. Uh, but the time was right for them to go and compete for a contract. Uh, both teams that drafted them feel that they have a really good opportunity to find their place within the teams. And, uh, and with, with, both the, with, excuse me, with both of them already graduated and being superlative students, I think most of you know that the DeRosas, their, their average GPA is 3.9 GPA. So, so that, that's pretty incredible <laughs> when, when you look at that. Uh, uh, how good of students they are. Um, 
So uh, <clears throat> Matt will be most likely leaving to go to Toronto as early as this Sunday because he has to quarantine in Canada for 14 days before they start. Uh, ben will join New York City FC later this month. Uh, so he'll stay on and train with us as long as possible. And then he'll join them probably, uh, you know, right around the time of our first game. So as you can hear, Sasha, very confident that the two will succeed at the next stage. And that's not that much of a surprise, Ben, when you look at what these guys have done over the past couple of years in a Maryland uniform. Oh, yeah. You just have to look at their body of work in College Park. Uh, it's going to translate really well to the next level. They both can go forward really well. They know how to defend really well. They're going to fit right into the systems in Toronto and New York City. It'll be really interesting to see with Toronto with a new coach, how that how that works out with Matt. Uh, but I, both of those players are going to have a lot of success at the next level if it's if their performance is anything like what it was like in College Park, and there's no reason to suspect it wouldn't be. And you heard Sasha kind of mention that it showcased them and their families. When you watch the actual draft stream, they have one of those live looks into the DeRosa household with Matt and Ben and their two parents, and they kind of spoke a little bit. And, you know, their mom was saying that this was kind of the plan all along. They had the soccer ball the day they were born and watched a lot growing up. So this is not a surprise to anyone in the DeRosa household. A very, very proud time for everyone under that roof. And the caveat with this, Matt has already gone to join up with Toronto FC. Maryland was expecting to lose both of them. However, we found out this week that with the MLS season being pushed back just a little bit, Ben DeRosa is eligible to play the first two games for the Maryland Terrapins. And that is a huge addition that we will get into later. But that was kind of one of the big discussions that with the MLS starting a little bit later, the college season in the spring, that we didn't know if the guys are going to be able to play in the college soccer season or if they were going to have other responsibilities. Well, Maryland having twins got two different results. They lost Matt. They kept Ben for a couple of games, but that's sometimes just in this crazy world, how things go. Yeah. I mean, obviously nothing is like what it was in 2019 or 2018 or any other of the previous seasons, but that's going to be so helpful for Maryland to have Ben DeRosa for a couple of games upon re-entry. Like we've said, it's been about 14 months. Uh, since Maryland's been able to play. So to get that kind of experience with somebody who already knows that they're secure at the next level, but can come back, kind of guide this very young team into the first couple games of what will be a season, unlike any other in college soccer's history, really invaluable for Sasha Dostorowski. And I can tell you, Ben, text me about it. Ben DeRosa is not you, Ben. Text me about it, just saying how excited he was to be back uh, and, and have these couple games and get that kind of final send-off that – they weren't really expecting to have just without the season in the fall and then being able to go into the pros after that. It's been really weird, but I can tell you, Ben is very happy to be back and Matt will no doubt be in Toronto FC's plans going forward. We're going to stick with our conversation in the pros and MLS because it was a big year for Terps in major league soccer last year. When you look across the board, there's almost a new generation of Terps breaking into that professional level. You've had the Omar Gonzalez's, the Graham Zussi's, you know, those guys that have really kind of been the main Terps in the pros, but now you're getting the likes of Donovan Pines, Eric Williamson, Chase Gasper, Dane St. Clair, all thriving for their professional teams, a Mercedes in the group. The list goes on and on and on. So let's hear what Sashu has to say about this next crop of Terps at the professional level. What you see is the value of college athletics. I mean, Chase Gasper, with his injuries at UCLA and even some of the injuries here, was able to find a place that he could get his body right, get his mind right, and put himself in a position to have the kind of start he's had right now. Uh, same with Dane. You know, Dane needed some time, uh, needed some, uh, needed the support and the quality that he got here. And and if you look at his path in the pros, and he came to Maryland the first couple of years, he wasn't playing as much, and you know his first. Uh, year and a half out, he wasn't playing that much, but he got his chance and he was ready for it. And I think that's what it is when you're at Maryland, when you get your chance, you're going to be ready for it. Um, sometimes it comes on day one and sometimes it comes, you know, in, in the second or third year. You know, Graham Zuzzi barely played a minute the first year at Sporting Kansas City and now is one of the all-time greats, success stories in MLS. And and and, and that's what you, you have with, with Matt and Ben. I mean, they were not immediate starters from day one, but they've continued to get better they believe in the process. They, 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 uh, uh, you know, they, they love the internal competitive environment that pushes and drives them. And then they get an opportunity to, you know, to move on. So I, I, that's where I feel good about our program is, is, uh, you know, 
we bring in good people and when they, when they leave here, they're ready for whatever challenge it is, whether it's MOS or, or, or other places. So obviously, Sasha, very happy with the pipeline from Ludwig Field to Major League Soccer. And Ben, it's just something we've seen so, so long. And you can add the two DeRosas into this mix now, but Terps just thrive at that next level. Oh, absolutely. I mean, perhaps the biggest name uh, you see over in England now with Zach Steffen. You got to go back a little while uh, to, the, to when he played in College Park, but not all that long ago. And now he's a cup goalie for Manchester City and got uh, a Premier League start uh, for the Citizens as well. Then in Major League Soccer, Dane St. Clair has been fantastic. I was kind of worried once he got to Minnesota if he was going to be able to find some time between the pipes. Bobby Shuttleworth was there, who was really going to be able to dethrone him. Dane St. Clair comes in, plays absolutely fantastic, out of his mind in that stretch run uh, down the rest of the regular season into the playoffs. And he's got a real future there with the Loons and Chase Gasper uh, right in front of him as well. They're seeing him be part of the building of a franchise. Yes, Eric Williamson is doing fantastic things in Portland, but Portland's an established franchise. You know, the Timbers have been there for a while. They're going to be there. They're always going to be there. But to see Terps building a franchise the way that man, uh, that Minnesota United is not Manchester United, that would be really impressive. <laughs> uh, but that Minnesota United is doing, that's that's somehow even cooler, I think, with this wave of expansion in MLS to have a couple of Terps be right at the forefront. And you saw Minnesota United making it to the conference finals and funnily enough when minnesota united was playing in that mls semifinal match was the same night that two years prior had been the college cup semifinals that dane st Clair and chase gasper won and here they are on the field together again trying to do the same thing they didn't quite get the result on the professional side of things but you know going back to that night in santa barbara really good memories for them and john strong the fox sports broadcaster giving them the shout out on the call as well so they're getting the recognition you're right they're getting the opportunities and minutes dane st Clair taking advantage of that goalkeeper injury crisis for a little bit and is now thriving and chase gasper getting a couple looks from abroad as well vikings fk a club in norway was actually rumored in the last week to be looking at him. Apparently the clubs didn't quite come to an agreement, but you know, European interest is European interest at the end of the day. And you've seen Terps go over there and have some success. Marisa do, if you want to go back to there and how successful he was at Rangers, you already mentioned Zach Steffen. And you got to think with the looks of Donovan Pines progressing, Eric Williamson as well, Chase Gasper, Dane St. Clair, we could very well see a couple more Terps in Europe soon. Oh, definitely. And I think if you kind of pull the lens back even a bit broader, the amount of success that former MLSers are now having in Europe, when you look at Tyler Adams and how wonderfully he's fit into that RB Leipzig position uh, coming from New York Red Bulls, there is a much stronger ability for major league soccer players to make the jump to not only to play at Europe, but to play at high levels of Europe, to play in big five leagues, to play in European competition. So I wouldn't be all that surprised if we see that sooner rather than later. You look at what FC Dallas is doing. Brian Reynolds is going to have a phenomenal career in Italy, I think. Uh, the Major League Soccer to Europe pipeline is a lot stronger, I think, now than it's ever been. And there's no reason to think that uh, a couple of, of Terps now, now in Major League Soccer and in the future in Major League Soccer uh, can't make that jump across the Atlantic. And a big part of that getting recognition from overseas is playing for your national team as well. Dane St. Clair has been getting called up to the Canadian senior national team. Then you have the likes of Eric Williamson and Donovan Pines, who are most certainly going to be part of that U.S. Olympic team as we go through a very busy 2021 season for the U.S. program as a whole. So now we'll pivot over to the current Terrapins. Now that we've kind of taken a look into the past, we now take a look at the now and the future because we finally have a college soccer season. It's something for so long that we did not know if it was even going to happen. You and I, two of the, aside from people on the team and with the team, two of the people that wanted the season almost more than anyone else. So we have it. We have a schedule, which is fantastic. And we'll get into that now a little bit. It's only a 10 game schedule. It's a bit more condensed, just the constraints of playing in the spring and having all these sports going on at once, but a 10 game schedule five home games at Ludwig Field, five on the road. They're going to play every team in the Big Ten once, only nine teams in total in the conference, but they're going to play the two regional opponents twice, home and away being Penn State, who Maryland will start the season with, and Rutgers, a little more drivable, a little more COVID-friendly, if you will. And Sasha Swarovski has stressed the importance of every single game in this condensed season. 
the Big Ten, it's all about the Big Ten this year. You know, in other years, you know, we, we would go out and play four or five really high-end non-conference games, whether it's Georgetown, Virginia, Stanford, Akron, all these other teams, because you could build up your RPI. Well, there's no real RPI anymore. Now it's about how you finish in a conference. Uh, you know, in regular season, if you do your job in a regular season, you put yourself in position for the tournament. If you win the regular season, there's a good chance you're already in the tournament at that point. Uh, we still have a conference tournament to play in, so you, you always get a second chance there, but there'll be fewer teams from every conference this year playing in the NCAA tournament, including the Big Ten. So every game takes on even more heightened importance in the Big Ten. So obviously the postseason is down the line. You have to get through these 10 games first, but you don't have all of those games at the beginning of the season, A, to help that RPI that's normally so, so important, B, to figure things out. Maryland has not played anyone but themselves since the end of 2019, since however many weeks this has been. And that changes a lot about how you progress and how you come into the season. So, you know, not too much wiggle room at the beginning of the year. And that's why Sasha was saying every game matters. Oh, every game going to be absolutely critical for a couple of reasons. Like you mentioned, the shortened season, therefore every game is going to have more value with the math. And then jumping into the Big Ten schedule uh, without any of the, not necessarily ramp up games because Maryland is notorious for facing a really tough non-conference schedule, but just jumping straight into the Big Ten is going to be a challenge. Uh, I remember talking with other coaches in, in Maryland, frankly, and around the Big Ten when I was talking with Adam Hughes, the volleyball coach, he expressed a lot of concern, frankly, about jumping straight into the Big Ten because conference play is going to be different. You can be the strongest conference in the country. You can be the weakest conference in the country. The Big Ten certainly not the weakest conference in the country in soccer. It's a really difficult conference to play in, but it's just different. You know, there's a different edge to it, and Maryland is going to be building the plane while flying it, really jumping straight into the conference schedule against a really tough team in Penn State this week. And when you kind of look, Sasha said that they're going to start with that Penn State game. They have their first bye, and then it's four games after that. And when you kind of look down the line, it's almost like the season gets a little harder as it goes. So if you haven't quite seen the schedule yet, I'll give you the quick rundown. In February, Friday night, they start at Penn State. The following Saturday after that bye, they're home to Ohio State. Then a midweek game to start off March at Rutgers. They come home that Sunday to host Wisconsin. Then the following week on a Thursday, they're at Michigan. Back home the following Friday to Michigan State. We're starting to get into some of the teams that are a little more troublesome in the Big Ten. Then you have a home game on Tuesday, March 23rd to Rutgers. Go on the road to Evanston to face, to face Northwestern. On Saturday, March 27th, you come back for that second Penn State game at home. Then you finish the season on the road with Indiana. The only time they will face each other in the regular season, which is normal. But when you have a schedule like this, you know, it's it's special to have that build all the way up to that big time game in the Big Ten at the end of the regular season. Oh, that's going to be the dessert. That's going to be the cherry on top uh, to the end of the season. That's going to be the prize for making it to the end of the season, frankly, because you know nothing in that is guaranteed, but that's going to be so much fun. I think that one kind of underappreciated or under the radar aspect of this schedule, that Northwestern game being in late March might have a really big impact. We don't know uh, if it's going to be inside or outside. Presumably, if it is outside, you know, games are being moved inside like Penn State is. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But in the 2019 Big Ten tournament, Maryland has a lot of trouble playing right on that, that field, right on the lake uh, with all that cold breeze coming in. That is blustery. That is difficult. I've been up there in, uh, in Evanston when it's real cold out and it's just not a fun time. So I think that being in, was that March 27th, that, that might play a factor because, you know, Northwestern loves to play on that field right there on Lake Michigan when it is just as cold as all heck outside. And it's very difficult for visiting teams to come in. So the fact that it might be a little bit warmer and maybe a bit more manageable to play in, that might play a factor. It's all these little things uh, that are going to be so much different in the spring. If Normally, if you're looking at playing at Northwestern, you want to play them as early in the season as possible so you can get there in the fall before it gets cold. Now we're on the flip side in the spring. You want to wait as long as possible, try to get it to warm up. Well, you mentioned the little things that are creating challenges. There's one big thing that's still a massive challenge, not even for just Maryland soccer, 
but for everyone on planet Earth as a whole. The pandemic's still raging on. And obviously, the reason we're having all this conversation is because of how it's affected college sports, particularly the soccer season. Maryland men's soccer went the entire fall without a positive COVID case in the program, which really is a feat because you look all throughout the nation, even to some of the other teams at Maryland, they have not all been that fortunate to escape without any positive cases. So Sasha has talked about how they're putting such an emphasis on controlling that part of the game as the pandemic rages on throughout the season. I just think that this is part of the challenge you have as a coach. It's like, how, how can we find a way through this to be as good as we can be? And we did. And I think we had a really successful fall. You know, I, I've said this before. I don't know if I, you guys have heard this, and, and I want to make sure this is in the right context. I told our, play, our players that, you know, we have another challenge this year, and obviously this is the COVID challenge. And I think so we cannot win the College Cup this year if we can't find a way to win the COVID cup, in other words, how can we show the discipline and the, and the determination so that we can do what we want to do every day, just play. Now, having said that, you know, you can do everything right and still lose that battle at, at the wrong time. And, and that's what we're trying to guard against now going into the season. Um, so, so um, I just want to make sure that that's clear. So the COVID Cup, something Sasha has talked about an awful lot as he's coined it, is going to be very, very important because, you know, there's, a, I think, two buys in the schedule, but not a lot of room to have games postponed and rescheduled. Now that we're getting to the end of the basketball season, we're seeing the Terps play two games back-to-back this week at home against Nebraska because they had troubles earlier in the season. So there's not a lot of wiggle room in there which is why so much emphasis is being put on just keeping the guys safe and doing the right things. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing we've been unfortunately having to say for a year now, but it, it still fits uh, very well. Just continuing to be mature, make smart decisions. Um, obviously these guys are going to be put at enhanced risk by the fact that they have to travel. That's just the way the college sports are having to work. Unfortunately. Um, I, I think that you make a good point about how condensed the schedule is though, because if there is an outbreak and, uh, among any team, likely what will follow would be a two-week quarantine that wipes out a big chunk of the schedule and with the already shortened season. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the NCAA tournament says about minimum number of games, uh, whether there, whether or not there will be one, whether or not they'll be flexible, especially with uh, kind of blue bloods like Maryland and Indiana, um, because the NCAA tournament in uh, basketball kind of set a hard and fast rule. And now we're seeing them start to, you know, maybe waver a little bit uh, as we get into March. So it'll be interesting to see if they do that as well uh, with a soccer committee, um, because obviously things, I'll tell you right now, you know, we're, we're in February. I'll say this before the season starts, something's going to pop up over the course of the big 10. You know, this isn't going to go precisely as planned uh, because that's just not the way that it works in 2021 anymore, unfortunately. Hopefully everyone can stay as safe and healthy as possible, but something somewhere is going to have a wrinkle. It's just going to be how well does the entire Big Ten adapt to it. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be Maryland having issues no, themselves. We've seen so many times that, you know, just the other teams having issues and having to shut stuff down. And do you, are you able to replace it with another team in the Big Ten? We saw that with some of the football schedule. And, you know, you can kind of look to these other sports and see how they're trying to manage things throughout this very difficult time. But you're very right. There's a lot of uncertainty ahead. Just because we have the schedule doesn't mean it's going to stay the same by any stretch of the imagination. But when you look at the silver linings, it's an outdoor sport. You know, if you, if you really want to get down to it, they're all, all the practices been, been outside or in Coalfield house, which is, you know, a, a bigger area. They've been wearing the mask, doing everything very right. So you look at basketball and the issues they've had all your practices, obviously inside and in pretty close quarters, but soccer, obviously, maybe they can get a little lucky there, but we shall see. We'll move on to our team preview because there is a lot of new faces in this Maryland squad this year, because Remember, there's two classes that have come in, really. The fall of 2020 class that we didn't even have a chance to talk about. And now the spring of 2021 class that have only been in for about a month or so. We'll go back to 2019. Winston-Salem, the guys walking off the field after that loss to Wake Forest. 
some of the key losses from that team, obviously Luke Brown, who transferred in from Hofstra, didn't quite have the impact that Maryland would have wanted. Russell Shealy, who was one of the goalkeepers that started rotating the season with Nicholas Neumann, ended up taking more of that backup role. But then two of your captains, two of the biggest names on your team for a while in Johannes Bergman, the center back, Eli Cronali, the holding midfielder. Those are two very important positions on the field and ones that Maryland was really going to struggle to replace. But then now that you're fast forwarding, you've lost Matt DeRosa at left back, lost Ben DeRosa for all but the first two games of the season. And then as we've documented on the podcast before, William James Hervé deciding to leave the program and step away from soccer entirely. So from that, the end of that 2019 season, if you're thinking ideal William James Hervé healthy, that's your starting center back, your starting right back, starting left back, your starting holding midfielder, and one of your attacking midfielders in there as well. Those are some pretty big losses for them to try to make up. Yeah, and look, there's there's no replacing the DeRosas, and there's no replacing Johannes Bergman. Those are or Eli Cronelli for that matter. Uh, those were iconic of one of Maryland's best runs um, in program history. Thinking that you can simply replace them uh, will not lead you to a whole lot of success, and I don't think that that's Sasha Swarovski's intent. Uh, but you're absolutely right. It's going to be very difficult to kind of recreate them, even in the aggregate. It's going to be a big chunk right down the middle of the park, especially, um, that is going to be really difficult to replace when you think about Cornelli and Bergman, especially. That leaves a big time gap uh, in, in Maryland's kind of defensive third as they like to transition out of the back. And it's going to be really difficult for Maryland to replace, but they brought in a really interesting uh, couple of groups of guys to, to try to do just that. And you're very, very right. And we'll start with this fall of 2020 class, who was supposed to be that in the only freshman class, really, had they played in the fall. So before we break it down, we're going to get Sasha Sarovsky's thoughts on this group that came in the fall. They've now had a lot of time to adjust with some of the new faces in the Terps locker room. You know, we brought five players in into our last class, the fall 2020 class. And I think all five are capable of starting and providing an impact immediately. Um, you know, Jamie Lowell, the goalkeeper, um, continued to get better throughout the fall, you know, was, was able to take advantage of the lack of games and maybe get his body a little stronger. So you can see he's already put some muscle on. Uh, he's been he's been very good. Uh, Kento Abe, who was a, a player that came from Japan, uh, was able to use the fall as a, as a nice pathway. Now he's playing with much more confidence right now than at any time last fall. And, He's a center back and right back. He can play in the back line. Um, so those two kids have done really well. Uh, but there, there was a, you know, guys like Ben Bender, um, uh, he's, he's, he, he had a great fall. Uh, he's going to have a major impact with our team this year. Um, Jason Russell Rowe, uh, who showed, to, showed us um, that he can score. He scored in every scrimmage that we had last fall, uh, which, which, was, which was quite, quite incredible. Um, and Joe Suchecki, uh, is, is, a, is, is, you know, he's a very, very good two-way midfielder uh, from New York City FC. So all five of those players are going to have an impact this spring. And, and uh, it, it was a small class, but really high-end class. Um, I think they're all going to be very good. Uh, don't pay attention to, you know, some of the rankings that didn't have that group very high. Uh, I wouldn't trade them for anybody. So like Sasha said, not the biggest class coming in in the world, when you're, especially when you're looking to fill some of the gaps by those guys that have left the program. But a decent number of guys coming in and a lot of guys that can make a difference. We start in the back with Jamie Lowell, goalkeeper, six foot four. He's put on a lot of muscle since he's come in, like Sasha has said. And it, we'll get to that in a second, but he can very well feature for the Terps this year as well. Kento Abe, a player coming in from Japan. Ryan Blumberg now technically not part of this class, but a new face to the team because he had to sit out all of last season. He's a six foot two center back from Sydney, Australia. Left-sided center back would be the Johannes Bergman like-for-like -like replacement, if you will. And then you continue down the list and you have Ben Bender, a player coming in that's going to make a difference on the offensive side of the ball in the midfield area as well. Jason Russell Rowe, a Canadian forward with a lot of pedigree and international experience at under 17 World Cups, was a nominee for Canadian Youth International Player of the Year. 
and you just keep looking down this list as you go. Joe Suchecki, a midfielder as well. We'll talk more about their attributes and things, but six foot two coming in from the New York City FC Academy. And that kind of rounds out the class. I don't think I missed anyone in that class of 2020. But these are the guys that were supposed to come in last fall and play right away. And they're going to make a difference, perhaps right from the get-go. Yeah, I think that one part of this interesting dynamic with the two classes is that especially with this fall 2020 class, they don't have that normal experience of college soccer where you jump right into the college experience and right into college soccer. We've seen this with all the spring sports or the fall sports, I say, that got postponed to the spring. You have this entire semester to kind of grow into uh, your the program and also just your entire college experience. So I think that that makes that a lot easier on them uh, in terms of just even off the field stuff, because the off the field dynamic is going to be, I think, as big this year as it is any other year with just with uh, the state of the world, I think. And now the spring 2021 class, there's three guys that play into it. And the reason we kind of separate them from the rest of the pack is because there's some very interesting cases there. Henry Hamilton is a midfielder from New Zealand that can play a lot of roles. We'll get into that when we talk the actual team, but he has been granted the waiver to be eligible for this season, which is a big get for Maryland when they're trying to figure out things in the middle of the park. He was originally supposed to come in fall of 2020, but due to travel restrictions and things of that nature, they had to push him back till spring of 2021. Makes a lot of sense, especially with how well New Zealand has handled this whole pandemic, as everyone knows. Now, Joshua Bulma is another player that came in that did not have such luck with the waiver. He was always supposed to come in spring 2021. He was always supposed to join in January and be that mid-season enrollee. Now, there's a recent NCAA rule that does not allow for midseason enrollees to participate, to be eligible to play. And Sasho said, this is a direct quote, I'll say for the record, it is one of the dumbest rules the NCAA has ever put in. So he's obviously not thrilled with that decision, especially because Bowman is a player they are very, very high on, can make a difference in the final third, but they will be without him. So that's one yes and one no. The third we're still waiting to hear on. That's Alex Nitzel, a defender from Germany. And it comes from some very good pedigree as well with Bayern Munich and Hoffenheim on the resume. We're still waiting. As of recording this podcast, we're still waiting to hear if he's going to be eligible for Friday. The team is operating under the assumption that he will be eligible, which is a big get. And Hamilton and Nitzel are both guys that, you know, like that fall 2020 class, could very well see themselves in the starting lineup day one even. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a big opportunity, I think, for freshmen to get themselves playing into the starting 11 right off the bat. Uh, one yes, one no, and one maybe is, I suppose, a decent record. Uh, <laughs> tell us how you really feel, Sasha, uh, with that with that rule with Joshua Boma. But it's smart for Maryland to assume that Nitzel is good to go because they want to be prepared in case the answer is yes. If the answer is no, uh, that's a moot point anyway from the NCAA's perspective. Uh, but they want to operate like he will be able to to fit right into the middle of that team. And if he is, I think he's going to have a real opportunity to see some minutes because there is a whole lot of gaps in this team lost from last year and uh, a whole lot of players with the opportunity to fill them. It's going to be an interesting competition. So now instead of trying to break down the starting lineup, which is going to be an impossible task in this year because Maryland has not had those exhibitions or those first couple of games to sort everything out. So the starting lineup is very much a work in progress, something we haven't quite nailed down yet, and something that Sasha may not have nailed down for a couple weeks into the season, which is entirely possible with all the new faces and everything that might go down. So instead, what we're going to do is we're going to break everything down by position, by category, goalkeepers, defense, midfield, attack, kind of give you the thoughts on a lot of the players involved, what we expect might happen, and some of the flexibility the team could have. So we, when we start with the goalkeepers, we've already talked about the players out and the players in. There's one player that went out and came back in, and that's Nicholas Neumann, the goalkeeper from last year, second team all Big Ten, the German. And in August, I, through translating, Google translating articles from Germany, found out that Nicholas was electing to stay home in Germany and rejoin his club team at home. That was because 
They were not going to have a fall season, just a lot of uncertainty. It made a lot of sense for him to go and stay with KSV Hessen Kessel, I believe it is. Well, when they found out he was going to have a spring season, he wanted to come back. When, when Maryland was going to have a spring season, he wanted to come back. The Terps wanted him back. So he is back. They had to go through that process. They got the waiver. But the thing is, he did appear in some friendlies for his club in Germany. So he's ineligible for the first three games of the season, which throws another you know, wrench into the whole plan of what is the starting lineup going to be and how it's almost definitely going to change week to week to week to week. So when you look at the goalkeepers, really the only two in contention are Nicholas Neumann and Jamie Lowell, who we already talked about. Now, these are two guys that are going to battle for the starting spot, even though Lowell will be starting in goal Friday night and presumably for the two games after that until Neumann comes back. But we saw what Neumann can do last year. Very, very impressive down the stretch. And that's going to be a battle that after those first three weeks, we keep an eye on. Yeah, no, that's going to be interesting, especially if Lowell starts to play well uh, to start off the season, then we might have a real goalkeeping battle on our hands. He's got a lot of pedigree, uh, like we were talking about, coming from the Seattle Sanders Academy is a big deal. Uh, Chris Henderson really knows how to pick him um, out there. And so I think that he's got a really good opportunity to show his stuff. Obviously, the opportunity is going to present itself in the first three games just via circumstance. And if he plays well, you know, we had a, a goalkeeping battle early on in 2019 that uh, Nicholas Neumann ended up winning. We might have another one in 2021, and you know that might be a good problem for Sasha Sarovsky to have because he knows he's got a really strong goalkeeper coming in after those three games, and Nicholas Neumann, two was better than one, especially this year. And Jamie Lowell is a guy that they're very high on long-term. Sasha's been clear about that. The coaching staff has been very clear on that. But he is still currently a freshman. He's still coming into the college game, and I do know that there have been some giveaways and some mistakes made in some of the scrimmages that can lead to be worrying. But at the same time as a freshman, there's always going to be growing pains. We've seen that with Dane St. Clair. We saw that with Russell Shealy and Nicholas Neumann. It feels like Maryland goalkeepers for the last decade, when they first come in, as you would expect, you know, some, some mistakes are made. But we'll see if Lowell can keep those mistakes off the playing field during regulation so that he has a better chance coming into the starting lineup when Neumann is eligible. So that's kind of where things stand between the pipes, a two player battle that is already decided for the first three games with Neumann being ineligible. Perhaps the biggest question marks lie in the back line. And that's something that Maryland hasn't always had to deal with coming into a season. You've had Chase Gasper and Bender Rosa and Brett St. Martin and Johannes Bergman and Donovan Pines and a lot of solid pieces that you know where they're going to end up. This year is very, very different. We talked about losing Johannes Bergman and Matt DeRosa. You get Ben for the first two games, but there's some big holes to fill back there. And so Brett St. Martin is really the only player in the back line that fully returns from last year to this year and after the first two games. So there's a lot of question marks in the back. Who do you pair with him at center back? Who is your left back all of a sudden? And then who comes in for Benderosa after he leaves in those first two games? To add to the complications, you have two center backs that have gone down with injuries. Marcus Antoine, who's now a sophomore, we already knew about his injury. He will be out for the foreseeable future. I want to say it was ACL, might be MCL. Don't want to speculate too much, but it was one of those. And now Ryan Blumberg, that Australian center back that we very much expected to come in for Johannes Bergman, he has picked up an injury and we're unsure when he's going to come back as well. So now Sasha is sitting here with question marks sprinkled across his back line and he has options, but there's going to be a lot of things that they have to work through. So when they recruited Nick Richardson, who was playing as the holding midfielder last year and did such a great job, they recruited him as a center back, as a right back. He's pretty good with his left foot too. He could very well end up at left back even and add a different look there. You have Alex Nitzel, who they're keeping their fingers crossed that he's going to be eligible, can play center back, can play right back. And then you have Blumberg, who might come back, and Isaac Ngobu, who's probably the most natural left back the Terps have. So as you can tell, there's a lot of pieces, but Sasho is still trying to figure out where those pieces fit. Yeah, and this is not a, a problem that Maryland has had in the past couple of years. The question mark, especially in that 2018 National Championship run, was not 
how are we going to keep other teams off the score sheet? You, know, you think about that rundown as double a tournament where they didn't give up a goal the entire tournament. It, the problem was, you know, how are we going to define goals? That might not be as much of a problem this year as keeping them out of their own net. So Sasha Sarovsky, like you said, has a lot of pieces. There's a lot of different circles that could fit in fairly, uh, a lot of different circle pegs that can fit in square holes, uh, really. Um, it's not going to be as natural as it has been the past couple of years. And especially jumping right into the Big Ten tournament, right into the Big Ten conference play, should I say, it's going to be a challenge for Sasha Sarovsky, to say the least. And Chris Rindolph, another option in there as well. The walk-on from Rockville, six foot two, adds a little bit of height because when you look across that back line, it's not very tall. There's a lot of guys that are my height, and I'm I'm not all that tall. So when you look after Ben DeRosa, which will be an obvious lock for the first two games, the options are right back. You would have to say Nick Richardson, Alex Nitzel, and Chris Rindolph, I think, has played there a little bit. Center backs, Brett St. Martin is the only lock on the back line, as we said, for the season. Paired with him could be Blumberg when he comes back from injury, could be Richardson, could be Nitzel, could be Rindov. Left back could be Richardson, could be Ngobu. You really don't know. And so that's something interesting to watch out for Friday night when the Terps take the field for the first time. A lot of subs can be made, in-game adjustments, but the back line is very much up in the air, but they have a lot of confident com, confident, and competent pieces, like you said, that can fill some of those gaps. So that's kind of where the back line sits right now. And then you have a question mark of goalkeeper behind that too. And we'll see, like you said, how well they do at keeping goals out of the net towards the start of the season. Moving into the midfield, there's a little bit more familiarity there with returning faces. You know, we obviously talked about losing Eli Cronali, but Nick Richardson played that holding midfield spot brilliantly last season and was really one of the unsung heroes of Maryland's entire 2019 campaign. He comes back, but very well might feature in the back line. So what are your midfielders like after that? You have Malcolm Johnston, you have Brian Padilla, who can play the attacking midfield. You have David Kovacic, but the problem is he's picked up an injury too and looks like he might be out for a little while. So again, lots of pieces, but those might be filled from some of the freshmen coming in. Joe Suchecki is a guy they're very, very high on. He's a box-to-box kind of guy that goes forward, can track back, has size to him, has a great left foot, great passing range. He could maybe play that box-to-box role and add some balance to Maryland's midfield. When you look at Malcolm Johnston, Sasha has said he just needs Johnston on the field. He can play so many different positions. He's so versatile, just like Nick Richardson is. But Sasha just wants him on the field. It's likely we might see him in a deeper role this year because Richardson may be in the back line. You're without Cronali, and Johnston covers a lot of ground. But then Padilla could be your 10. You have some other guys that can come in and fluctuate. But finding balance in that midfield is a really important part of kind of tying all that together in the center of the park. Yeah, it's going to be difficult to do. Um, I, I agree with you. I think that there's a big opportunity for freshmen. Uh, and that's not that's nothing new for Sasha Swarovski. Um, you think about last year, I believe Malcolm Johnson scored Maryland's first goal of the season. Yep. Uh, last year against South Florida as a freshman. So uh, certainly no stranger to put in freshman impact situations. I think Johnson is going to be an incredibly important player on this team. I think he can play in a whole lot of different positions and in a lot of different ways in a couple of different systems, which is going to be uber important this year, especially as uh, Sasha is likely to tinker a little bit as the season goes along. So once again, I think that there's a pretty consistent theme that there's the playmakers are there the opportunity is there who's it going to be in what position is going to be the question mark uh, right up until kickoff on friday and you mentioned playmakers one they get back that they did not have for the second half of the 2019 season is brian padilla who tore his acl in warm-ups one game missed the majority of the season he was having a fantastic year up until that point putting the ball in the back of the net and he's a difference maker for the Terps and one they're very, very glad to have back. Kid has a magical left foot that we've seen time and time again on set pieces and from the run of play. 
And that's something that can really help Maryland and a big piece that they're very, very glad to have back. Yeah, he's going to be massive this year. He's going to need to be a force uh, in that attacking midfield role. And as you mentioned, that left foot is fantastic. I think set pieces are going to be incredibly important. I think goals um, might be a little bit more scarce this year uh, just because of the conditions, uh, like we said, spring 2021, as opposed to the fall 2020 season, so much different happening this season. So if Maryland can ramp up those goals in the set pieces, uh, with an entire full season of Brian Padilla, that would be absolutely massive. When you look in that playmaker role, there is a freshman as well, Ben Bender, who we're not totally sure where he's going to fit into the lineup and to the formation that's going to fluctuate a little bit too. But he's a very creative player, very good on the ball, and has a great shot on him too. I've asked a lot of the guys because I kept hearing from the scrimmages they've had in the fall that Ben Bender is playing so, so well. The freshman, Calvert Hall, Baltimore Armor Academy, has some good pedigree, but he was putting the ball in. He was making a difference in those scrimmages. And I'd always ask, is the hype real? And every time the answer was a resounding yes. They are very, very high on him. And Sasha said that he's going to make a difference this season. He did have a bit of a knock over the last week or so, but they are expecting him to be back and good for Friday night. So we may see the first glimpse at him. You can play as an attacking midfielder or in a wider area. And that transitions us to the front line, which – Fewer questions. This is kind of the, the one where we can say with some certainty what we're expecting. We know who we're looking at, and it's a very healthy line as well. Not a ton of injuries, not a ton of complications. You return Captain Eric Matzalevich for his senior season, a guy that Sasha was called Mr. Maryland and how hard he works. He can play up the middle. He can play out wide. The big get, though, is Paul Ben. Somebody that we've talked about time and time and time again. He's been on the podcast. We've gone through the story so many times and for a very good reason. Paul has not played a competitive match since Santa Barbara in December of 2018. I don't even have how many weeks, months, or anything that's been, but it's been a very, very long time. If you don't know, following the national championship season, Paul tore his ACL the first morning of the first day of preseason ahead of the 2019 year, which would have been his senior season as well. Worked so, so hard to come back from that. And now he gets this season. He didn't know if he was going to have it in the fall. He didn't know if his time as a Terrapin was done, but he has it. And he's one of the most positive guys and brings a lot to Maryland's front line and the locker room as well. Yeah, I mean, you can talk about uh, what, what he does on the field, but just to, off the field in the locker room, as you mentioned, uh, that story is a phenomenal one. Um, it's been one that's been cataloged very well by you and by a lot of other uh, Maryland student media and, and professional media as well uh, surrounding the Maryland soccer program. This front line is going to be a force to be reckoned with. You talk about Eric Matzalevich and Paul Bin, the two of them have been here for a long time. They've scored a lot of important goals and they're going to have to score a lot this year, especially with the question marks on the back line, the pressure is going to be on that attack uh, to kind of respond if Maryland gets punched in the mouth in the defensive end. And the piece you're adding to that front line is Jason Russell Rowe, the freshman, as we said, Canadian Youth National Team, Toronto FC Academy. We're expecting him to start. He's played very, very well in the preseason, in the fall season as well. He can score in a lot of different ways. He's six foot one. He's quick on the ball, very creative. And that adds a different dynamic to Maryland's front line and shuffles the pack a little bit because Russell Rose perhaps best done straight up the middle as well. Does that move Matzalevich to the wing? Do they swap back? Does Maryland go with a front two? That's kind of where we don't know. And we're not expecting to know, but you know the guys are there and you know the guys that are going to be on the field. And you know that Justin Geelan is going to be one of the first guys off the bench if he's not in the starting lineup and how tirelessly he works and what a threat he is in the air as well, offensively and defensively as well. I think we've pretty much covered almost everyone on this roster, which is kind of what we wanted to do because there's a lot of guys that left. And like we said, so, so many new faces so many question marks, but that's part of the excitement of the start of a new season and not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing who's going to pan out, who's going to surprise you. And it's it's something that we as broadcasters and journalists really enjoy and something that fans really enjoy too, because there's a lot to be excited about in the Maryland program. 
Yeah, it was something that we almost kind of took for granted uh, before 2020, a little bit start of the new season, you know, it's just normal cyclical. Now there were so many question marks who were even going to be able to play this season. When would we be able to play it? And uh, now that it's match week, um, the excitement is there. It's, it's, it feels, it of course doesn't feel normal, but it feels like we've got soccer again. And that's, that's certainly something. Absolutely. And so to tie a bow on that team breakdown, because it was a lot. We talked about a lot of people, goalkeepers, you have Lowell for the first three games of the season. After that, Neumann comes back into play. We'll see the battle there. Backline, some injuries and a lot of question marks, but a lot of pieces that can fit across that back line. Something for Sasha to toy with. The midfield, you return a lot of guys, you have a lot of creativity, but finding the balance and who complements each other very, very well. And the attack is going to be potent. They're going to have some familiar faces. It's just a matter of how they set up and can they put the ball in the back of the net. Anything I'm missing on that, Ben? I think that's about everything. I, I, yeah. I think so. I think we've, we've covered pretty much everything in that. And now for the main event, Penn State. First game in who knows how long I said at the top, I've forgotten it since then, just because 64, 64, 64 weeks since that loss to wake forest. You're very right. It's a very long time. And this game at Penn state, it's going to be played inside mostly because, well, basically the entire United States is covered in snow and ice and all that fun stuff. So they had planned on playing it inside, remove the elements from the situation I was going to go up. They then informed me that the Wi-Fi in there is terrible. So I'm glad I didn't drive six plus hours round trip just to not have good Wi-Fi. That would have been very disappointing. Um, But there will be a stream. We believe BTN plus not totally sure for the game. You will be able to watch it. We'll break it down next week as well. And you can catch the recaps on WMCsports.net and our social media. But when we look at the game, Penn State, a team on the rise. Sasha has talked about it. They were kind of one of the teams that, were hit or miss in the Big Ten, but last year, very strong conference season for the Nittany Lions. In that matchup against Maryland last year, the Terps went up 2 nothing. They were cruising on the road at Penn State, but then the host came back and ended up winning it 3-2, to and Sasha and the team has said how tough of a pill that game was to swallow. They come into now what's a very difficult matchup, and we'll hear the boss's thoughts on that game Friday against Penn State. Penn State is a is a very good program right now. Jeff Cook has done a really good job. Uh, they're a tough team to play against. Um, obviously, it, it you know be our first game, so we're not sure of all what their new players are like and what they're going to look like. And uh, um, but all I know is that we'll be ready on the 19th for the challenge of Penn State. And uh, nice thing is we we have our first bye right after that game. So whatever we see that game, we're going to be able to correct. Um, you know, right, right after that, leading into, uh, you know, the, the next four game stretch. So, you know, we play a game, we have a bye, we play four games, have a bye, we play five games. So in, in some ways it kind of sets up nicely for us to take a look at that stuff, but no, Penn state's for real. They're, 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 you know, they're going to be, I think a, a perennial top 25 program. So you can tell Sasha holds the Nittany Lions in very high regard. This is not an easy first game of the season, even if Penn State hasn't consistently been one of the best teams in the Big Ten when you look at the Marylands and the Michigan States and the Indianas of the conference. But they went to the second round of the NCAA tournament in 2019. They had a pretty strong year, especially down the tail end. They did lose some key pieces from that year with the likes of Aaron Malloy, that center midfielder pulled a lot of the strings. He's gone on to the pros the other big piece is in the back line. That's Brandon Hackenberg. He's now a redshirt senior. He was drafted by Orlando City, second overall in that draft just a month or so ago. But to the best of our knowledge, it was said when he was drafted at the time that he plans on coming back. He will play this season for the Nittany Lions, adding a lot of stability across their back line and a lot of leadership in a very difficult season. And then up top, you return sophomore Liam Butts, who had a fantastic year last year, nine goals as a freshman and a conference best five game winning goals. He's on the Mac Herman trophy watch list as a sophomore, the award for the best college soccer player in the nation. And Ben, this game is not going to be, you know, a walk in the park for the Terps to start off the campaign, but they're going to have to get a lot right on day one. Yeah. It's going to be a difficult test right off the bat. 
Uh, if you're a Maryland Terrapin, it doesn't matter what sport it is. You love having the opportunity to play and beat Penn State. So that rivalry right off the bat is going to be something. I know in soccer, you know, you look at the Indiana game, you have the opportunity for non-conference. You look at things like the UCLA game. But anytime Maryland and Penn State get together, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm sure Maryland would have loved to see Brandon Hackenberg go off to the City Beautiful instead of staying in <laughs> State College. Uh, he's going to be an excellent piece in that back line. And then you mentioned Liam Butts, the explosiveness uh, that he's having is going to be very difficult for Maryland to defend. If you talk about the question marks in the back line and you have one of the more dynamic underclassmen in the Big Ten going right at you to start things off, that's going to be a very difficult challenge day one. So a lot of question marks remain. But Ben, as we go and watch this game Friday night, what is the one thing that you are looking at and kind of analyzing and wondering about Maryland the most, if you had to pick just one? Uh, well, one thing that I'm looking forward to seeing is Paul Ben uh, being able to get back on the playing field, uh, how he does after such a long time. If I had to say one thing that I'm looking to see how the performance is, I'm going to go with the goalkeeper. I think it's going to be a really interesting performance from Jamie Lowell one way or the other as a freshman stepping right between the pipes for Maryland. If we turn the question to me now, I'm going to say the thing I'm looking forward to, I mean, obviously, Paul Ben, you already took that, so I'll be a little different. Um, I am looking forward to seeing Brian Padilla back. Sasha talked about how if they had played the season in the fall, Brian would not have been at 100%. He would have been playing a little bit below what his full peak is. But now he's fully recovered. He just needs to gain a little bit more sharpness, Sasha was saying a couple weeks ago. He very well may have gotten that. But it's just so much fun to watch him on the ball and watch the magic of the set pieces. And I still remember that outside the left foot curler into the far post that just had Ludwig absolutely rocking. And I want to see how he's progressed because we haven't seen these guys play in 15 months. That's a long time. A lot can change. And so question marks from before, those things could have been ironed out. And now we see where they are now. I want to see how Padilla responds coming back from this long-term injury and what he can provide to the attack. One thing I'm going to be wondering about and paying attention to is how that back line gets sorted out. You talked about the goalkeeper, but what's the center back pairing going to be? Who's going to be playing at left back? The only there's, 50% of that back line is up for grabs that we just don't know how it's going to line up, you know, when they kick off at six o'clock. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Sasha utilizes Nick Richardson. He was so strong in that defensive midfield role last year, but he's so versatile and I would expect him to be in the back line for the majority of 2021. So that's kind of it for the preview for Penn state. One last note before we go is assistant coach Scott Butte has taken the head coaching job at Salisbury and Scott has been such a mainstay for Maryland in his playing career three-year captain and then obviously now being assistant coach and Sasha's right-hand man for about seven years now and Scott has done nothing but win in his time at Maryland and Sasha talked about just how excited he is for Scott to have his first head coaching job after his time at Maryland so he'll be taking things to the eastern shore he'll be with the Terps for the game Friday night against Penn State. And then after that, we'll go and join up with the Gulls on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. So very exciting for Scott. And he's always been great to us as well. So wishing him nothing but the best. Ben, your closing thoughts before we wrap this up, episode 18. Match week. Match week. It's been so long. So many things have gone into being able to play. Uh, I'll remind everyone that being able to play games right now is – not necessarily a guarantee it's not necessarily right it is a privilege so enjoy the moment enjoy the fact that we have college soccer we can talk who's going to play left center back who's going to do this who's going to do that uh but at the end of the day take a moment and enjoy the fact that uh that we got some college sports in this match week that was beautifully said i'm not even going to try to try to follow that up that was fantastic ben tell the people your twitter and where they can find you uh, if you really want to see all the ramblings uh, at Ben underscore Curtis 12, I think I should probably be more sure. I'm pretty sure it's at Ben underscore Curtis 12. Uh, a lot of content. You'll probably enjoy about 40% of it, which 40% it is, is entirely up to you. I, I don't really have any control over that. Ben does a lot of great work. He's also co-station director with me at WMC Sports. He has his own podcast covering volleyball, block party, fantastic one over there as well. And you can find Ben on the call for a lot of stuff. 
between volleyball and lacrosse and baseball and everything that goes on in College Park. But he'll be with me for the ride through the soccer season as well. You can catch him, whatever he said his Twitter name was, even if it's not the right one. You can look him up. He's there. You can find him on WMC Sports. We retweet him from time to time whenever he has something good. It's not often, but it does happen on rare occasions. And as always, I'm Brendan Hartlove at B Hartlove. And you can catch everything on WMUC Sports. That's at WMUC Sports on Twitter. I'm sure of that one. That's, you know, not up for debate. Catch everything there. We have a lot going on. We have three seasons basically being played at once. The fall season, the spring season, and basketball is still going on. Our team at WMUC Sports has been working tirelessly. After having several months of not any content, things are ramping up. They're ramping up very, very quickly. So join us for the ride. It's going to be a wild one. And soccer starts this week, and we could not be more excited. So for Ben Curtis and our entire WMUC sports crew, I'm Brendan Hartlove signing off. This has been the Ludwig Lowdown on WMUC Sports Radio, your Terps, your station. Thanks for listening to the Ludwig Lowdown. We hope to have you right back here for the next edition with your hosts, Brendan Hartlove and Ben Curtis. Thanks, everybody, and go Terps! <laughs>